Okay, transition into our series. We're going to talk about crisis number three. Act your wage. Act your wage. This is uh, part three. We're going to talk about very practical today. I'm going to get real practical on some things. It's not going to be deep. It's about us telling money what to do versus money telling us what to do. And if you're a believer or you're a non-believer, this message is for you. Because we're going to talk about some things that affects everybody. That affects everybody. And hopefully if you're an unbeliever and you see some believers walking in victory, you'll know why they've been using these principles that we're going to talk about. But I know God does amazing things for us, but he also calls us to, to do some things. So um, the first week we talked about um, crisis and um, putting God first and those things about crisis takes us from the transient to the permanent and how we have to make a decision whenever we come through the time of crisis. A decision has to be made. Second, when we talked about putting God first in everything that we do so we have the wisdom to make the right financial decisions. And this week we're going to just talk about the nuts and bolts of what a Christian looks like walking in, um, in, in a correct stewardship the way God called us to do it. And we're going to start in Scripture in, um, in chapter 25 in the book of Matthew. Chapter 25 in the book of Matthew, starting from verses 14 to 29. We're going to start in the middle of 25. If you know that Scripture well, this is Jesus talking about the end times. It actually starts in chapter 24 when Jesus, they ask Jesus a question. He actually has the 12 disciples, and he's actually giving them, a, like I call it, an old-fashioned staff meeting. About, the, about how is it going to happen with the, with the, when the end of days? How is it going to be during the last days? And he sits down from 24 on to end, the end of 25, and he explains some things. He talked about the ten versions being ready. Now we're going to talk about the parable of the talents. And Jesus talked in the parable. It's a story that directs us to so, many, so much truth. And I believe it's very, very uh, impactful for us today. The Bible is timeless. You can read this in 20 years and have something to say about today. Amen. So let's start again. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you have your phones, you can go there. If not, it's on our screens. I'll be using the ESV version. I'll be reading from 14 to 29. And we know this story because if you've been to Sunday school, this is a Sunday school story. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them with his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants came and sold the accounts with them. And, he's, and he, he who had received the five talents went forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he who also had two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I've made two talents more. His master said to him, 
Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, weeping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. At my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to anyone who has, more will be given and have abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And let us pray. Father, I thank you for this moment. Holy Spirit, I ask you to open up our hearts to see the practical in the midst of the spiritual. And we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We see a familiar story here, receiving talents. I looked up some of the, uh, what a talent meant for the day, and um, some of the commentators all agree that in them days, those men received one talent was worth about 20 years of wages. So it gives you a timeline of how far that, ser- that uh, king left and he came back. So it gave him almost a lifetime to get this thing together. And you see that he gave them according to their ability, which I like when God gives us something according to our ability. He doesn't give us much above our ability. But the thing is, he was looking for faithfulness. A lot of times when we read this passage, we're looking at how much they got and how much they turned. But really, I want to share something with you. See, there's a crisis that took place. They received something. They received the talents from the king. Now, these servants had this, had this crisis take place. It's the same ones, same thing that we deal with today. It's the decision what to do with what God has given us. What do we do with what God has given us? See, God has given us things. But what do we do with it? Now, when you look at this parable, a lot of times we look at the pluses and the minuses. But I want to look at this exactly how it is. is us being faithful to that which he's given us. Some have a million dollars. Some have two dollars. Someone have 50 cents. Some have a penny. If God has given you, and we learned last week that everything that we have comes from God, what are you doing to be faithful with it? And here it is, the second one, the one servant was not wicked because he failed. It was because he did not even try. He didn't try. It was hard, he didn't even try. And a lot of people are not failing because of their their holding. They're failing because they don't even try. They quit before they start. And then when you quit and you make excuses, you start blaming the king. You start blaming God, but you have to try. And that's what I want to get to today, trying. Because sometimes I see this in the Bible. You see it in the Bible was Naaman, the uh, man. He was just a, a powerful man in the army, and he went to the prophet. And he thought when he got to the prophet that he, you know, he had leprosy. He thought when he got to the prophet, the prophet was just going to wave his wand over or wave his hand over him, and he's healed. And he says, go wash in the Jordan seven times. 
Now, the Jordan at them days was not the cleanest. This is, was not like Dyer's Pool or the pool downtown. This was dirty. He said, wait a minute. Now, I thought, I'm the, I'm the man. I thought he was just going to do this. It was going to be over. You know, a lot of us think with God that if I have something in my hand or I'm waiting for something, I'm not doing anything, I believe God's going to do everything. And what he calls us to do is to step up and do something. And we miss it. When it comes to our finances, we have to step up and do something. Last week, we talked about how God owns it all and how we give our tithe and the rest is redeemed and protected. This week, and we know God owns it all. That's a good first step. But I want to give you something more practical from that. We know God does it all, but we know now today that God gives it to us to be faithful with it. It doesn't matter how much you have or don't have. It is not a quantity problem. It never is a quantity problem. It's a management problem. I can tell you, you can do well with a couple bucks. I can do well with a hundred bucks. But you know how I learned to do well with a hundred bucks? I had to do well with two bucks. And then when I did well, then I got promoted into a hundred bucks. Now I got too many bucks. I don't mind the two bucks. It was simpler. But where does it start? Something, everything big always starts with something small. If you're in that class of people here I'm talking to, I don't have much. You start with what you got. Don't wait till you receive more. It won't come. Because you don't need more. You'll destroy yourself. That's why we have a lot of NFL players now killing themselves. They never had that much money before. Their character can't handle it. How you lose millions of dollars in, in five years? More than you can make in a lifetime. Why? The character can't handle it. And as, as uh, one of the players said, all they did was intensify my deficiencies. It's like a weight. And God knows that. That's why he gives us all according to our ability. And guess what the promotion is? More work. Not just finances, more work. Oh, you are faithful in making disciples. Make more. How am I going to make more? I will enlarge you to make more. So if you're looking for the island for vacation, it isn't coming. Even when you get to heaven, you're going to be singing 24-7. That's where I read. They ain't sitting on the beach. Hey, John, what's going on? They're singing before the throne of God. Let me give you four practical things. First one, Proverbs. Last week we talked about running from the richest man in the world. Solomon. I think he has something to say about finances. He started strong. He didn't finish strong. But look at this. We said this last week. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine, not just our treasure, our time, our talent. Honor him first. Okay? It's possible to honor God with your treasure. Without your time, you're still not walking fully in God. Okay? 
So he says, do it first. Also, in Matthew 6, 24, it says this, because this is where we all are. It's, 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 a, it's a fight every day. I told you it's very progressive on it. Matthew 6, 24, you can't serve two masters. Either you're going to hate the one and love the, the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. We just can't serve God and money. We can't serve one and not serve the other. It's either God or it's the money. When you make your decisions on the money, you'll make a wrong decision. When you make your decision on what God says about the money, you make the right decision. See, we have the Holy Spirit. Now, don't get offended at this. He didn't, God did not say, check your minds at the door. He gives us wisdom on how to manage finances. And we'll talk about next week how some of the places you like to shop are using biblical principles to prosper. They know the law better than we do. And they're prospering from it because they believe in it sometime more than we do. Again, we can't serve both. You can't do both. You got to make a choice. That's a crisis for some folks because we think money is the end of all things. It's not. So the first point is put God first. Reason why I say that, God is not interested in your money. He's interested in you. He's not interested in your money. He's interested in your heart. He wants you. When he has you, he has everything. Make sense? Now I'm going to go on to the practical things. Don't check out on me because a lot of people say, I already know this stuff already. But let me give you something. You know, Dave Ramsey... um, had a point, and that we're in election year, and a lot of people are worried about, there's a lot of questions coming up. He said, what are the top three threats to your retirement security? All of us want to grow, want to work and then retire. And we all, you know, some of the things, can you think of it? Well, everybody says, some people say the stock market. That's what we've been hearing about. Other one says, my company pension. Other one says, all oh, the health care is so high. Other one says, well, we have Medicare. Well, we have Social Security. And he said, The top three things that's killing people today are not those things. The things we're fighting about in the news are not those things. He said these three things, and they're all personal. First one is debt. First one is debt. The average American is approximately $47,000 in debt. I looked up the college students, students who graduated in 2011, they owe an average of $26,600 before they even get a job. It's debt. And when you're $47,000 in debt and the average income is only $41,000, you're already at a minus. Number two, lack of planning. If you don't plan to succeed, you'll plan to fail. Lack of planning. Only 42% of the workers have attempted to determine how much they need. Another thing was, it was a guy here had another thing here. Um... 40% of working Americans don't even have a savings for retirement. Another 25% don't have no savings at all. Now, it's nothing about the government. It's about us. Last one is, do do your own investing. 
think we can invest our own money. We can do it from home. We can do, I'm not going to talk about the commercial, on our, um, commu- on our um, computers. The problem with that is we're emotional. So if you've been looking at the stock market and you're trying to put a trade in, the minute it crashes, you're going to hold off versus find a professional that can help you. And college students, I'm here to tell you right now, it's time to start thinking about tomorrow. High school students, it's time to start thinking about tomorrow. But it's never too late for us adults to start today. I'm on my second time around, me and Ms. Donna, on investing in all those things. You don't need an investor. We got people in this city, and I'm going to talk about that. But those three things... Debt, lack of planning, and, do your, and try to do your own investing are the three things that are fouling people out, that their children won't receive anything. It's not the government. We're screaming, give me, give me, give me. God is saying, faithful, faithful, faithful. Because if we handle our business, I'm not political, I don't need someone else to handle my business. You don't need to create another office to tell me how to raise my kids. You really don't. You don't have to give me anything free to manage. I'll take care of it. Can we go there on this practical? I'm going to get real practical on you. Number two is, God put God first was number one. Number two, get on a budget. Get on a budget. It's in the Bible, out of Proverbs. Proverbs 2720. Sheol and Abaddon, which is death, and destruction are never satisfied, and never satisfied are the eyes of a man. It's never enough. If you have two, someone delivers $600 to you today, you'll say, I wish I had another $600. It is never enough. What do I mean get on the budget? Here's a practical budget. We talked about the tithe, 10% of the tithe. Give yourself 10%. Put it in the bank, and then live off the 80 That's a start. See, that's just a start. Then when you start to be faithful and God increases even more, you can, your giving from tithe will be 20 to 30%. You're not even thinking about the 10%. Even if you're starting at 2%, put something in the bank for yourself. Why? You need at least three to six months worth of savings. Because let me tell you something. True contentment does not come from, um, does not come, True contentment comes from godliness in the heart, not wealth in the hand. Because we're never content apart from God. Never content. Let me give you a scripture, 1 Timothy 6, verses 5 through 7. And constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Now, there's a great gain in godliness with contentment, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. We didn't bring anything in here when we came. We, all we bought was a voice. Feed me. And how we do that? We, ah, ah, what's wrong with them? They just give them something to eat. The budget wasn't easy. It was hard. It wasn't, you guys are parents, you know. It wasn't hard. Diapers and food. They didn't need nothing else. When you die, what are you taking with you? Nothing. We got to go buy you some clothes so you look good. And your debt, you know, your, your soul is gone. Your spirit has gone. 
And we're trying to dress you up on something that's going to just in the ground. It's not even yours. No one finds your favorite suit. And you don't find your favorite car. We bought nothing in. We take nothing out. That's a mindset we need to have when we talk about having a budget. Because true contentment comes from godliness in the heart, not wealth in the hand. Having more money, guys, is not going to solve your problem. Godliness with contentment that I am satisfied with what God has given me. I'm satisfied, and that's everything, not just finances. I'm satisfied with the kids I have. I'm satisfied with the job I have. I'm satisfied with the life I have because God knows what I need when I need it. Not the wealth. When we live our lives off wealth, we live nothing, but there's nothing left. I've never seen a, a, a greedy millionaire die with a lot of friends. Never had friends. Take the money away. No one calls you. When you have money... Oh, you have something? You know that you met those people before. I was a teenager. I had a car. I'm driving down the Hollis Boulevard, just having a great time with this car. Guy says, go for it. I go around a guy. Shouldn't have did that. Speeding. I wrecked the car. Tore it up. Right? They get out the car. (laughs) Yeah, see ya. So the car's there, and I'm driving it back to Amityville. You know, cops come and all that. No one calls. So I take the car because I had all state. Well, my sister did. <laughs> it's my mother's car. It's a four-door. I was living large, Chevelle. And uh, got it fixed. Found out my car got fixed. Oh, the phone's ringing. Hey. Where we going? Hey, nowhere without no money. You're going to put gas in this car. In fact, I don't even like you anymore. I'm going to find me some new friends. See, contentment only comes from godliness, not the finances. Young people, learn that. Don't thrive to make a lot of money. Thrive to be effective. It's not about a lot of money. It's about being effective and leaving a legacy behind. There's nothing great. Like I see Alan's mom and dad here. It's fam- grandfather. You know, he's the richest man in the world because he's got grandchildren and he has, a, he has a, a, a son and a daughter-in-law that they love dearly. He's the richest man in this place right now. And all of us do because we have grandkids and we have kids. Because why? God has given us something and we steward it well. Not about something that's going to go out the door. Second thing is, Save and invest. Proverbs 21, 20. Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man, what? Devours it. When he's talking about save and invest, get an emergency fund. Save for a rainy day. Save for the things you want. I thank God for those who give to this church because we had a rainy day moment last week. And for your faithfulness, the ones who are given, we're able to handle that rainy day event. I love that. Thank you for those who give their hearts here, who give their finances here. Because rainy days will come up. I mean, I don't know about a rainy, some of y'all are probably living through a rainy day right now. 
But you got to have something in the bank, at least three to six months of some finances in case when the bottom drops out. I love the Bible says when the storms come. It didn't say they might come. They are coming. What are you going to do? Don't get a loan. That goes sink you deeper. Don't get someone else's money to bail you out. Oh, man, now I'm really getting political. <laughs> Think about it. The old school way of saving. Rainy day. Save for the things you want. I had to learn this the hard way in the military. First base in Myrtle Beach. Bought a TV. Bought a this. Bought all that. Bought all that. Then they shipped me to Germany. I can't take that stuff. I bought it on a credit card. So what do you do? You have a yard sale. You sell them stuff cash, and you're still paying for it. They're jumping around. And I'm like, I don't even own this stuff anymore. Lord, blow it up. (laughs) It's before I was born again. Think about it. You sell stuff that you're still paying for. Or you just stop buying and use a credit card for groceries. You ate it in two days. The interest rate's going to be increasing every month. Does you pay it off. But if you have cash, it's so emotional. You won't spend it. A card, you'll use it because it's not emotional. Until you get the bill at the end of the month. That's very emotional. Hey, how about this? How about layaway? Go get it on layaway, and then you can take your friends to the store and tell them, this is what I bought. And in about six months, it's going to be mine. I can wait. And if they change this because it's electronic equipment, upgrade it. Keep it on layaway. <laughs> what? There's nothing wrong with layaway. Oh, yeah, right. You want to look cool and bring it out today? Go ahead and bring it out today. You'll be paying for it for the next 20 years. I'm going to have it free. It's mine. So when I want to sell the garage sale, I'm going to overprice. No, I won't. Save for the things you want. Don't credit for it. These are, God, these are principles. You'll know something. Someone taught us a long time ago. The richest people in the world, you don't even recognize them because they know how to manage money and they don't flash it. That's why everyone falls in love and cries at the secret millionaire because you don't, they don't drive the flashy cars. They know how to manage it. And some of them have been paid for years. They just know how to manage it. Last thing is, this is, this is deep. You ready for this one? Because you got, this is deep. This is really going, we're going to go, sub, go subterranean with this one. Get out of debt. Proverbs 22.7. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave of the lender. And this affects all of us. If, not all of us, but some of us who are in so much debt. It's nothing worse when you plan out your calendar and you want to do something. And you have debt that is telling you that you can't do it. You become a slave to that which you owe. And don't have someone calling you. You want to go on this big vacation. But you can't because of this debt. So the debt starts to tell you, starts to run your life, and you don't run the debt's life. The money starts telling you what to do versus you telling your money what to do. When you have a budget and you have a plan, when you have a plan, you start to tell your finances 
what to do. And a lot of people don't like this because I heard this before. This is not spiritual enough. And you know you're right because 20% of it is spiritual. 80% of it is behavior. We have to turn off the passion I want, I want, I want it now. I got to have it now. And you know the pressure to keep what's updated and keep going. They do it by design. So that iPad you bought a month ago is no good because now it's smaller and it's quicker. It hasn't changed. Not much, except it's prettier. So why don't you extend your payment plan? And then by the time you finish paying it off, hey, we got the iPad 12. (laughs) And you're paying, I hope I don't get sued for this. Um, (laughs) You're paying for the Apple like Disney. You're paying for the rat. <laughs> Try and make it practical for you. Because you can do a lot of things if you start to plan. A lot of people used to get mad. Not me. It was, how come you don't go and get buy stuff? And why don't you go buy lunch? And man, we have a but We go eat lunch. I eat lunch. I have a sandwich. Because I know how much it's bologna go and cheese and bread. <laughs> and I know how much we spend, you know, at 5 Five days a week, it's a lot of money. So, but no one was laughing (laughs) when we were able to go with cash to the Virgin Islands. You know where I started planning for it? In the bologna and cheese sandwiches. Come on, somebody. (laughs) And we can put some food, we can put anything we want in them. It don't matter. Put a little pepper in there. You start, yeah, get all that. You can, you can jazz up a sandwich. Don't cost you much. How many pickles you want? Ain't going to cost me more for a heavier sandwich. I can do it at my house for free. <laughs> all right. Want to be faithful. Have a plan. Get out of debt. Save and Invest. Build a budget. But you know, all that, none of that will take place unless you put the number one thing first. Put God first. Solomon did it. He asked for wisdom to manage all that. The byproduct was the wealth. And at the end of his days, he lost control of the wisdom because the wealth took him over. Wealth for more stuff, more horses, more wives, you got a thousand women. Man, you're crazy. You need one. That's it. And all those things. He didn't finish strong. And if you look at the history, that's when the Israelites started going into some serious idolatry, and a lot of things took place from that. He was the one that was the most gifted administrator ever. But he didn't finish strong. Talking to some of you adults who might have made some mistakes in the very beginning, which you'll find is never too late to start. And all you got to do is go home and look at that register and say no to this, yes to this. I'm putting this in here. I'm making a decision. I'm making a stand because this is what God wants me to do. God does not desire each and every one of us to live underneath the poverty level. He delivers for, why? Because he has put a covenant in each and every one of us. He's promised a covenant. And when people see us, they can see the world falling apart. But when they see us, they will see that our God is good. And he takes care of his people well. Because how are we going to touch this? How are we going to reach people and build community 
unless we're the ones who are shining with God, walking with God. Our, our place in our life is organized to the point they're going to want something. They're going to see the glory of God on us, not the stress of debt, not the stress. A lot of times we try to spiritualize it. It's not. It's practical. We put God first. He gives me wisdom to do things. And his Holy Spirit keeps me from fouling out with it. Keeps me with a budget. Checks me when my heart's off. Why? Because I need to give fund the kingdom as, as strong as po- as big as possible. Because how we're going to get in and plant churches all around this nation. How we're going to get and plant church, um, put other churches here in this city without, find, without people who are strong and walking fully with God who are responsible. I can say God and pray all day, but he also says a strategy. This is what he says. This is in, in, in um, Haggai. Consider your ways. That's what he told me. Consider your way. So people that were walking with God came back after 70 years of bondage, decided to build the temple again. They stopped. They quit because times got hard. 16 years they were walking around putting money in their pockets. It was going out. 16 years they they kept saying, I put clothes on, but I'm not warm. 16 years they got used to living with nothing. God called the drought on, they didn't even know it. 16 years just walking around with no prosperity. And the temple, they were so consumed with their own issues, the temple was falling apart. It was just falling apart because they got to take care of them. So you sow and you get nothing. They didn't even notice it. They just thought it was normal. God, that's not normal life in the kingdom of God. We're not supposed to watch money go through our pockets. We're supposed to fund programs. We're supposed to fund poverty. We're supposed to fund education. Where does it come from? Us. We're not part of the world. We're our own culture. That's what he told me. We need to consider our ways. I got to consider my way. Well, this vision in this house is big. So we all got to consider our ways to reach it. It's not about me getting something in my pocket. How much can I give out to fund it? I think for the God that the people we have now, we're able to fix this building up. But there's so much more to do to put buildings on the north side, to put buildings on the south side. So much to do. And where does it come from? Us. Don't settle like they did. Here's the answer to that. You think it's hard. God told them, Go up, to the tree, go up to the mountains and cut down the trees and bring it and build my house. Go here and get this and build my house. Go here and get that and build my house. You notice something? God told them this. Go get my stuff so I can build my stuff. Who made the trees? Who made the precious metals? God's calling us, go take his stuff that we receive. If it's five, if it's two, or if it's one, take my stuff and then build my stuff. Because you're part of his stuff. So we don't lose anything. We're just taking what he's given us and we're just managing it 
to become good and faithful servants. Now, I don't have to take out a loan for that. He owns everything. He said, go get my stuff and build my stuff. So he said, go get people and build my kingdom. Go get families and build something miraculous. Go get marriages and build something spectacular, something I created. Just take that and execute what I've created. Be faithful with that. Every one of you sitting here, we consider you a gift to Grace Point Church. We have to be stewards of who you are. Some of y'all sing letters out. They said, I'm here to serve you, to help you reach whatever God has for you. That's why it's practical. That's why it's so powerful. Consider your ways. Your present, your previous and your present conduct. God, what else can you shake? What else can I do? What else am I chinching on? What about you? You spoke to me about it. What am I so caught up with? Is my, is my life built around how much I got or received or what I, my lack of? My mood shifts because I got something, but my, I don't get anything. My mood really shifts versus all I need is you. My mood would never change because you don't leave. You don't plus, I don't have to plus you up or minus you out. You're constant. How about you? Why don't we all stand?